In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is the Gospel for this day, Matthew 11, verses 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is our text. As a child, I once got lost at the state fair. I was taken by an officer to a kind of kid's corral, formed by four-foot wooden walls, easy for adults to see in, but difficult for children of my size to see out. There were half a dozen other kids there. Some were playing contentedly. Others were upset and crying. I found myself, I recall, transitioning from the upset and crying stage to the distracted stage. And eventually I heard my father's voice. And because I responded positively, if not joyfully, to my father's calling, the officers allowed me to leave the confinement. Now, just as in a crowded fair, there are many voices calling. Which voices do you respond to? Today, let's meditate on this central idea. Do you respond to Jesus' voice? How would you even recognize it? The answers are in our text. Jesus said, You have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. The first way you recognize Jesus' voice is to recognize your unworthiness. Now God has chosen you. Rejoice that God has chosen you. But remember, God does not choose the best. I hope you can appreciate God's sense of irony in this. For the Bible is replete with the mystery of God's choices. David the youngest and not the most fitted of his brothers. Paul who persecuted the church rather than one of the apostles who had been with Jesus for three years. God makes many choices that confound human expectations. And this shows the cause is in God and not in ourselves. It shows God's sovereignty and not human merit. And since God often chooses the unworthy, recognizing God's choice extends to those you may think are unworthy. Moses and Peter acknowledge this. They confess their unworthiness, even while God revealed his choice to them. 
for each took off his shoes and said, Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. So the preparation to hear Jesus' voice includes contemplation of our own unworthiness. So we need to acknowledge the limits of our knowledge, the limits of our perseverance and self-control, the limits to our charity and love, the limits to our powers. But more than this, our unworthiness is sin. The weakness of our love of God, the paucity of our love for others, and the words and deeds that show this, you recognize your unworthiness. That's one way you respond to Jesus' voice. Now the other side of that is you recognize God's gracious will. Our Lord says very explicitly in our text, Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. It's God's grace is what overcomes our unworthiness. He does all for us, and we can do nothing for Him. Now we can recognize grace in the gift of life and all that sustains it. For none of us brought ourselves into existence. None of us were able to earn our way through those first 6 to 16 years, maybe 6 to 26 years, when someone else took care of us, met our needs, gave us training and equipped us to be a help to others in this life. We can recognize God's grace in our lives and all that sustained them, and by that same grace, God wills to give us eternal life. As it says in John's Gospel, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The same God who by grace gave you this earthly life desires to give you eternal life. And in that John 3.16 version, instead of putting the word world in there, put your own name in there. God loved you so that he gave his son that if you believe in him, you might have eternal life. And notice that leads into the next point. You acknowledge the Son as the way to the Father. As Jesus says in our text, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Jesus, the Son of God, is God's means of delivering His message to you. That's why he is called the Word of God. That's why John writes, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now there are many ways to deliver a message. I could leave you a note on my bulletin board, and if you never go over to the school, you might never see it. 
I could send you an email and hope your email box is not as crowded as mine because with a thousand messages waiting for me to look at, I might overlook an email message. I could send a, a messenger to you, one of my sisters or my son, to bring you a message. But there are some messages, like a proposal of marriage, which should only be delivered in person. And in Jesus Christ, we have God's proposal of life together forever. That's why he came to deliver God's message to humankind in person. Can you hear his voice? Do you hear his proposal? Even on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Father testified from the sky to affirm this truth. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. His is the authoritative message. Any religion, any message apart from him is deceiving and worthless. They only know the Father to whom the Son has revealed him. In accepting that message, you receive rest. Jesus' words, so comforting, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Does that remind you of one of the Ten Commandments? The third commandment spoke of a rest. It required rest on the Sabbath. One day a week, there was to be no more manipulating the environment, but rather letting God work. One day a week, the people of Israel were to sit back and take time to recognize God's work, both in nature and in oneself. They were to remember, remember who they were and whose they were, that God had rescued them from Egypt and brought them to the land that they were now cultivating. Well, Jesus Christ himself is the fulfillment of the Sabbath commandment. As it says in the scriptures, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. But that's not merely abrogating a law, but fulfilling it. For we receive our rest in Him. Our confidence, our assurance rests in Jesus Christ. We rest in His gracious will. For that is the reason He came. That is God's message to us. And to this end, we gather to hear His word and receive His sacraments to let Him work in us. In St. Paul's words, to will and to do all that is pleasing to Him. So there are no more vain works of ritual in an attempt to placate God. No more idolatry when we try to manipulate the divine will, whether through sacrifices or superstitions. And not for us is the sin of worry and doubt, as if God could not be trusted. For the cross is the emblem of how far God is willing to go to rescue you and to heal you. And with it, there is no more frenzy of activity as if our salvation depended on such things. Despite this good news, so many hold God at arm's length, 
to avoid letting go and letting God. It betrays a lack of trust as to God being in control. They need to be in control because they don't really trust God. And there's some of that distrust in every one of us. But it keeps us from enjoying a peace that surpasses understanding. It keeps us from enjoying a rest that is profound and unending. For while there is conflict with the world and our flesh and the devil, nevertheless we have a peace with God that begins now and transcends death. Eternal life is a gift that we receive not when we die, but when we are received by Christ and we begin to enjoy it now. And so a final sign that you're hearing Christ's voice is you take up his work. For he says in our text, our, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His work gives new meaning to your everyday life. Now part of that is forsaking what is harming you and others. The things you may be doing that are illegal, immoral, and unhealthy. For some, this requires an altogether change in lifestyle. But for most people who live the ordinary life of civic righteousness, it doesn't mean a lot of outward changes. But it does change the meaning of that outward life. For your everyday life has countless opportunities to serve others for Jesus' sake. Whatever your calling is, if you're a homemaker, you can serve God by making the best home that you can. If you're a neighbor, you can serve God by making your, your place the best that it can be to be a credit to the neighborhood, to help others who are in need. If you are a, a plumber or a carpenter, you can do the best work that you can do and people will praise God that you are part of their lives. If you're a clerk or a, a waiter or a waitress, you can serve with the best of your ability and see that people's needs are met in a timely way and they will thank God that you are part of a great day, a great experience. There are countless opportunities to serve others for Jesus' sake in the ordinary, everyday life. And in addition to this, you have the further privilege of participating with the people of God in church. For your church life has many opportunities to serve others in Jesus' name. Do you see the balance that God wants in your life? Your everyday, day-to-day, -day, secular activities in which you serve and do the right thing for Jesus' sake and your church activities where you explicitly serve in Jesus' name that others may know the Savior, that others may know the comfort, the peace, the grace that comes from knowing that God is in charge and His will through Jesus Christ for each of us is good. And this meaningful work may be challenging, but at the same time it is energizing. Each day presents the challenge, what opportunity do I have today to do good? So you may be anxious to help someone, but while you're waiting there, you can use that time for prayer. 
for communion with God, for pleading with him for the needs of others whose needs you know. So whether in prayer and praise that only God hears or in meeting human needs, your life has meaning and purpose and blessedness. So hear Jesus' voice as he invites you. Enjoy his rest for your soul as you embrace his gift of eternal life. Come to me and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. Amen. And may that peace of God that surpasses understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.